Please welcome Dwayne Polk. What is up, Woodland Hills? Oh, no. What is up, Woodland Hills? That's what I'm talking about. We've been having some good worship. God is on the scene today. I apologize because I am taking... That wasn't me. <laughs> Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am Dwayne Polk, and I'm just a brother in Christ that's here to chill with his siblings. You know what I'm saying? So... All right, so now let's just get started. Um, I want to start with the title this time, and the title is called, It's Time to Get Low. It's Time to Get Low. Now, I bet you're asking, like, where did he get that title from? You know, there was a song out, you know, that's not out too long ago, you know, apple bottom jeans with the fur. Oh, come on now. Y'all know y'all have heard that on some kind of ringtone. I was ringtoned out, I'm sorry, but. <laughs> so I am gonna be talking about getting low, but it won't be about that kind of getting low, okay? Um, what I wanna share is um, something that I feel is really kind of core and foundational to who we are as Christians, people who are to represent the character and nature of Christ. And so um, that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So let's pray. Lord, this is your time. Uh, we have been worshiping you in the song. We have been worshiping you in our offerings. And now, Lord, it's time for the word. I just pray that you would just open all of our hearts. We bow ourselves before you in the sanctuary of our hearts right now, Lord. We just ask that you would just speak clearly, that you would just empty me of myself, that you would just use my lips, my words, my mind as a vehicle to relay your truth to your body. We all want to grow. We want to be more like you. We want to fulfill the calling that you've given to us. So we pray that you would just give us more encouragement, that you would give us more understanding, and most of all, give us more of your presence that we can do so. Take this time and use it to your glory. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to start out with a story. Um, this story is a variation of an anecdote or something that a lot of y'all have probably heard before. Um, a person, um, a journalistic lady, kind of have a small town newspaper, um, wants to go to this building construction site. Um, they're building a building, a brick, brick building, and she just wants to go and just um, interview some of the brick lane people to see what they feel about their conditions and why they're there, why they're doing what they're doing. So she walks in and she runs into one person. And this first person that's um, supposed to be building the wall, um, she says, well, you know, hey, how you doing? This is what I'm doing. Um, just let me ask you a question. Why are you doing this? What's kind of your purpose for being here? And so he says, you know, I just want to let you know, um, I have a wife, I have two kids, two dogs, and this work was being let out. It pays a real nice salary. So the main reason I'm here is to provide for my family. I feel like I can do it. Honest, honest day's wage, earn an honest day's pay. So that's what I'm doing. So, okay, it's cool. So then she walks on in the construction site and goes to another person. And the second person is also laying the bricks. And so says, you know, well, why are you here? So this person says, well, I am a developing home builder myself. I want to actually have my own business where I build homes. And so I want to work on what it's like to actually build these walls. And so this opportunity came up. It was in the paper. So I decided, hey, get some extra money. And I could actually build my wall working skills doing this. So that's the main reason I'm here. She says, hey, that's good. So then she goes to a third person, asks the same question. Why are you here? 
And the third person says, well, you know what? Whenever I found they were building this community center, I was so excited. And they had a chance for anybody that wanted to do this. And I've had experience laying bricks. So I decided to come here because I feel like this neighborhood has needed this for a very, very long time. And so I feel when I'm doing this that I'm beautifying our neighborhood. I'm actually making a difference in the whole, neighbor, in the whole area. Now, basically, stories like this deal with stories of perspective about how different people can be doing the same act, but actually have totally different interpretations of what they're doing and why they're doing it. Now, one might argue that, you know, one um, interpretation might be a little more lofty than the other. Like some people might say, well, since this person is thinking about the community and other stuff, that that's kind of a better perspective. Personally, I feel like all of the perspectives are valid. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're getting hired and you're getting paid, you are having an opportunity to work building these walls, and you are building the community center. So all of these things are valid as far as you doing your brick lane job. But there's also something that I think is pretty self-evident here. If the job description calls for somebody that has experience laying brick and actually laying brick is what you're called to do, I think that it would be a problem if they were in the community center and they were doing things other than what they were called to do. For example, if they were there and they were doing things, I don't know, maybe like the plumbing or maybe like the electrical systems, or maybe they were just picking up debris from the outside. If they were doing those other things other than what they were called for, I, I would think there was something wrong. Well, it would almost be like you hired somebody to fix your car and they end up taking your clothes to the cleaners, or they end up painting your garage. It's like, well, that's cool, but that's not really the reason that I called you to do what you're doing, and as you're not doing what you're doing, it's really not helping this whole process. I just want you to imagine that you were the owner of this facility and you were hiring these people. How would you feel about people that have these lofty ideas, or they have these certain purposes that they're doing this work, but they're actually not laying the brick? Just think about how you would feel about that. Now, that is a story I just want you to kind of keep in your mind. If they are not laying the bricks, regardless of what they think about themselves or what they think that they're doing good, for the whole process, they're not fulfilling not only the calling that the owner gave them, but also their own personal calling. They're not fulfilling any of those things. Now let's go to Ephesians 4. Let's keep that story in your mind. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. This is Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then he talks about how to do this. Be completely humble and gentle. I'm going to let you know right now, I say humble. I'm from Texas. I don't have a huff. It's humble, okay? <laughs> Being completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
Okay, just give you a little background here. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's done some work with these people. And he really, you can just see in, in, in chapters one through three, he is just kind of gershing about these people, like really what they have received, how they have been re- reconciled to God in Christ, and how in Christ they literally have all spiritual blessings. I'm talking some massive stuff here. Talking about how they have boundless riches of Christ himself in their lives and how because of the good work that's happened in that church, even though he's enduring sufferings, he doesn't even mind it because of the growth that's taking place in this church. So along with that, he actually says a prayer for them that's right before the the main text that we're using and we're going to come back to that prayer. But I'm just trying to let you know he really cares deeply for this church. So when he says he urges us to live a life worthy of the calling that we received, he is talking about how we have been called to be children of God, how we have called to participate in the life of God through what Christ has done for us. And he says, since you have such a high calling, since all of these things have been bestowed on you from the creator, it is important that you live a life worthy of that to which you've been called. And at that point that he says, be completely humble and gentle. Now, because of the importance of that, obviously we want to really find out what humble and what gentle means. I mean, those, those words can be thrown around a lot. So looking at the text, looking at the Greek, whenever we look at those words that are interpreted, um, humble and gentle, starting with the word humble, the interpretation comes from a sense of humiliation, not as in somebody talking down to you, but as you bringing yourself down, cast down, humble in your own eyes of low estate. Sometimes I like the translation, it's called lowly of heart. So when people are all trying to do things to get praise, this kind of person doesn't try to do that. When other people try to make a name for themselves and feel good about themselves by putting other people down, they'd rather put themselves under other people and let them raise, be raised. So we're talking about a very low estate. It's totally different from the way that our society tells us to be a lot, as far as that everything should be revolved around us and we're the consumers, so we're the ones that matter most. This is a totally different approach from that. And then the second word that's translated gentle, um, it's a word that means meek. It's a, it's, a, it's a type of gentleness that comes from humility. So it is as you believe that you are a low Person, as you believe lowly about yourself, you are more willing to defer to other people. You are less willing to strong arm to get your way. You're meek. And so these are the things that Paul basically says, this is how you live a wife, life worthy of the calling that you received. Now, as I was reading the scripture, I was really on Ephesians 4 for a long time, and I kept thinking, I'm like, this reminds me of something. This, that whole being completely humble and gentle, it reminds me of something else. And so I ended up at another scripture. Jesus' words, Matthew, 8, Matthew 11, 28 through 29. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29. These are the words of Jesus. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is very important. He is a teacher. He is a rabbi. So he is taking this, this time to say, learn from me. Take my yoke of teaching upon you and learn from me. This is why, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Again, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus speaking. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, 
Would you believe or not that word, the, word, the place where it translates gentle and humble in heart in Matthew 11, those same root words, the same root ideas are exactly what is happening in Paul's speech. So whenever Paul talks about being completely humble and gentle, the same sense is what's being conveyed when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, I think there's some hints of something very special here. Now, just want to run a test here. Mean, being a Christian means being like Christ, correct? It means being a Christ one. It means that you demonstrate by your very life who Christ is. And I'm willing to bet that when he says learn from him, he's talking about his humility that he has before God the Father. How he's willing to do everything for God the Father, including go to a criminal's death. And then when he's meek and you, th- you look at his life and how he is meek with people, even the people that judge him, even the people that don't think that he's righteous, he still loves them and cares for them in gentleness and patience. And I believe that the spirit that was on him allowed him to do these things, bearing all of these heavy weights. Let me tell you something, talking about bearing the weight of your fellow brothers and sisters, who did that better than Jesus? Who loved disciples that could not even pray with him for an hour when he's about to die? Who bore the brunt of all of our sicknesses and all our diseases on a cross that we deserved? So that kind of humility, that kind of meekness that we see Jesus do all the way through the cross, that is the kind of humility and gentleness that Paul is talking about characterizes and gives us a way to walk worthy of the calling that we have. Now, taking all of that, I want to go back to the story. Now, you remember how we said that regardless of the individual perspectives or regardless of how the three people saw themselves that were working on the construction site, if these three people are not actually laying the bricks down, then they're not really following their job description and they're not truly following the calling that was placed upon them by the owner or their own personal calling within that. Now, you're probably already figuring out the analogy, but I just want to make it plain here. Being completely humble, I I like lowly in heart, but being completely humble and gentle is like the activity of laying the bricks in the story. Being completely humble and gentle is like the activity of brick laying in the story. In other words, if we are not willing to take the time and to live in complete humility before God and to really be humble and meek and gentle with our fellow brothers and sisters, however they act, There's absolutely no way that we can live in patience. And from that, there's no way that we can truly bear our sisters, brothers, when they struggle. Seriously, I just want you to think about this practically. If somebody is struggling, maybe they're just a little bit obnoxious, maybe they're having a bad day, or maybe they're just a real sourpuss or whatever's going on. Can you really minister the love of Christ to that person when you are thinking about yourself and what you want to do and everything that's going on in your life? I don't know about you, but whenever I think about my agenda and what I'm going to do, whenever somebody comes to me, I have a little less patience for them. I might not want to hear your story when I'm going through so much stuff myself. Or it could be like this. Maybe somebody is bearing false witness against you or they're doing something against you and you're like, well, I'm a king's kid. I'm Jesus's own. Nobody talked to me like that. I can't act like I haven't said it. Or having that feeling like you don't get to walk all over me and use me because I'm somebody in Christ. That kind of thought. 
See, honestly, when you think about it, I feel like this ties a lot to 1 Corinthians 13. Because 1 Corinthians 13, Paul just, he says, it doesn't matter if you give your body to be burned. It doesn't matter if you're speaking all of this knowledge and having all of this faith. If you don't have love, it is absolutely nothing. Now, ask yourself, is it possible to love a person with Christ-type love, with the agape, unconditional, unfettered, unbounded love of Christ while you are being prideful and hard-hearted? I really don't think so. And the point is that Jesus, our teacher, he is the only standard that matters. As I think about this further, my brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm taken back to whenever Jesus tells the story and he says something about how people at the end will be like, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name, cast demons out of your name, didn't we do all of these things? And then he says, I never knew you. I wonder if it was the case where these people were doing things for Jesus and they helped people and they helped their society and helped their community, but it really was from a place of pride. Or maybe it was from a place of insecurity where they got life out of how many people they helped. And they got life out of how their community was transformed by what they did. And Jesus is like, well, you really didn't follow the teachings that I was setting for you, so I don't know you. Or better yet, do you even really know me? What did I teach you? Just a thought. Breaking it down to some points here. There's three things that we can understand that if we do not have humility and gentleness, we cannot be able to bring this forth in the kingdom of God. First thing, without humility and gentleness, we aren't living up to our calling as children of God. Again, Paul is telling the churches, church of Ephesus all the things that they have in Christ, all the things that they have because God wants to be their father. But if we do not, if they do not, and if we do not live in an humble, lowly of heart, meek way that Jesus lived, we cannot say that we are living as the children of God. God has called us to be holy as he is holy. He has called us to be forgiving and loving as he is forgiving and loving. But if we do not take the time to really look at ourselves and really say, am I being lowly? Am I really thinking of myself in a realistic way? then we can never live up to our calling as being children of God. So that's the first thing. Without humility and dealing, the second thing, we are not being like Jesus or following his teachings. Again, it's just straight in the text. Matthew 11. He is teaching us as his rabbi, learn from me. I am lowly. I am, I am meek. I am lowly. And you will find rest for your souls. How can we say that we are being disciples? It's just like he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? If we do not make every attempt to follow him in his meekness and his humility, then we cannot say that we are being full-on disciples of Christ like he wants us to be. Third thing, without humility and gentleness, if we don't have that, we will never be able to be patient and enduring with others, keeping the bond of peace, like I said before. If we are thinking about how we can get what we want and we're thinking about our own egoic drives, there is no way that I'm going to be patient and enduring with somebody that might have a little worse pain than me. The fact of the matter is when people are hurting, they can be rude, they can be obnoxious, they can be mean. And if we don't have humility and gentleness, we cannot truly be a Christian brother or sister to that person because we're too busy with being fearing being hurt by their pain or feel like we're going to be dismissed by them or offended by them so that we don't make ourselves available. 
So these three things just show without humility and gentleness, it's going to be really hard to build the kingdom of God. It's going to be really hard to demonstrate that bond of peace, which is supposed to let everybody, the whole world know that there is one God and one Father and one Lord and one Spirit. We won't be able to do it. Now, there's no condemnation here. Because let me tell you something. If I'm, if I'm right, I think everybody in here struggles with humility and gentleness. And God knows that. See, our recognition of our weakness before God is not an opportunity for self-condemnation, but it is an opportunity to throw ourselves on the mercy of God, of which there is an immense amount. He just, this, is a convic- this is conviction, and it is not condemnation. It is just laying out what is really real. If we are not lowly of heart, if we are not gentle and meek like a lamb like Jesus was, then regardless of what good humanitarian things we do, no matter how much we help society or how many people that we get into a certain program or whatever, we're not truly building the kingdom of God, which is the hearts where God is king. He reigns as king in that domain. We're not truly doing that. I want to give a personal story here. Um, one day I'm driving, and I'm driving a person to work, um, kind of helping them out. And so we're driving to work, and right now me and this person, we ain't vibing. You know, I have some attitude and they have some attitude, so we're, we're driving to work and I'm like, I can't wait till I get this person to this job. <laughs> and so then we're riding and then God is like, um, you know that $20 that you have in your pocket? Your last $20? I want you to go ahead and give that to her. Now, I would like to sit here and say, yes, Jesus, here you go. <laughs> I would love to say that that's what I said. <laughs> but no. It didn't go down like that. This is literally what I did. I was so angry and upset. I took the money out of my pocket and I threw it down like that. Just threw it in her lap. Boo. And God said, now you take that and pick it up and apologize. <laughs> yeah. So I pick it up and I'm like, um, you know, um, I really feel like... Um, God wants um, me to bless you with this. And she's like, oh, no. I'm like, look, (laughs) please take this. And I am extremely sorry for throwing that down. I shouldn't have done that. Now, that's a true story. Now, check this out. God blessed who God wanted to bless. God provided this person with the money, and God took this person to work. But as far as the way that my heart was, as far as the way that I had my own thoughts and my own pride up about how, how in the world are you going to tell me to do this for her after she's done, all of that stuff. Now, just be honest. Was I laying the bricks of the kingdom? It was God's grace that surrounded that whole situation and benefited her and me even against my own self. But seeing those kinds of things, seeing those kinds of things about how God can even work in our mess ups and how it is the case that just because we do something for somebody, even in obedience to God, that doesn't necessarily mean that we are truly building the kingdom if we don't have a receiving heart like that. And what's painful for me, I've been in ministry almost 10 years, what's been painful for me during even the processing of this message is for me to see how much of my ministry, how many times I have helped other people, how many times I've done good things in the eyes of the community and the world, and I've done it from a very self-centered place. And it was no condemnation. Again, I understand, and we all understand, God loves us unconditionally. He gave his own son for us, so it's never condemnation. But it is kind of to let us know where we stand on some things. You'd be surprised how often this happens. 
So looking at all of this, looking at the things that, the bad things that can happen when we don't have humility and meekness, what can we do? That's the basic question. What can we do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get low. And I really mean that. It is time to get low. And what I mean by that is all of the sense of independence and all of the sense of I can do it in this and all the sense of, you know, well, you have to defer to me. All of those things have to got to be broken off. All of the things that our society tries to tell us about how we rule and like that virgin, that virgin mobile commercial is just stuck in my head because it was like you rule what you want. Everything that you desire rules. No, he is the one that rules. And once we understand that and we get prostrate before him in our hearts, it can be physical, but I'm primarily talking about our hearts. When we get low before him, then we find it easier to get low before everybody else. Then we feel easier to get low before those that might use us or abuse us or different things like that. And here's the thing. If we do not get low, if we do not try to put ourselves in a place of humility, then what will happen is we'll do a whole lot of good things and get a lot of applause from the world thinking that we're building the kingdom, but we're not really laying the bricks. We'll be doing just a lot of good humanitarian things on the side when as the body of Christ, the people that are trying to bring everything into the fullness of Christ, we are to be Christ ones. We are supposed to show the image and character of Christ wherever we go. Now, we all need to learn humility. We've established that. So I believe our first lesson in humility is to understand this. We can't do it by ourselves. I know it sounds simple, but believe this. We cannot do it by ourselves. This is why I feel like self-condemnation is not necessary. Because the fact of the matter is we are but dust and God understands that. But I also understand that it's important that we understand that we can't do it by ourselves. Now, you ask, how do you know that we can't do it by ourselves? Because Jesus couldn't do it by himself. How do I know? See, Jesus was incarnate God. He was God in the flesh at the same time. It was the Holy Spirit that drove him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he came back in the power of the Spirit. And when he stepped into the synagogue, he read from Isaiah and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Whenever he did his healings, he did them by the Spirit. Whenever he did his teachings, he did them by the Spirit. And I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, when he strode, strode up that hill to Calvary to, to die, and people were stoning him and spitting on him, the love that he was showing, the unconditional love he was showing, he did that by God's Spirit. When he was on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, that was the power of God through the Spirit being shown. And guess what? If you believe in Jesus, that same spirit is in you right now. And it is that spirit that will give you the power to do what your flesh cannot do. But let's, don't take my word for it. Let's go back. Remember I told you about this prayer that Paul did for the church, of, the, the church at Ephesus. I want to go back to that prayer because I think this will concretely show that Paul, even Paul himself doesn't expect us to just muster up the ability to be humble or muster up the ability to be meek. He expects us to yield. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Ephesians 3, 13, 14 through 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives this name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Power from the spirit, just like that song was talking about earlier, in your power, the power through the spirit. Now that's one. 
And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power again together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immensely more than we can ask or imagine, this is very important, to him that can do well above anything that we can imagine ourselves doing, any forgiveness we can imagine ourselves giving, he's able to do immeasurably more than any of those things according to his what? Power. That is at work within us. The power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and amen. My brothers and sisters, I do not believe that when Paul was talking to the church of Ephesus, he said, work harder at being humble. I think what he was doing is saying, look, because you've been called of God, because you have all spiritual blessings in Christ, because you have all of these things, you're, you're reconciled with God to Christ, and you know that the Spirit works in you, Walk according to your calling by demonstrating the characteristics that Jesus did. I believe that Paul assumed the Spirit's working in the church. And that's why he prayed what he prayed for them before he said what he said here. See, I, I like what Greg said the last service, last, last um, sermon last week. Until we get to the place as little children, until we get to the place where we get all of our life, all of our identity, all of our security from God and Christ, we will be forced to create these false identities to try to get worth from who we serve and how we serve and what we do and how many people got saved last week or how many people got helped this week. We're going to be doing all of that stuff that pushes us away from the true bricks of the kingdom and pushes us into this let's hurry up and fix the world so we can congratulate ourselves kind of Christianity. God is not about that. We are about to let's bleed for each other until we all see kingdom. That is Christianity. And don't get me wrong, I, with, I, I struggle with bearing my peoples too. My wife can tell you I struggle with humility. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you know, we're going somewhere and I might be lost and I just don't want to hear that I'm lost and I just struggle with that. So the Lord is working with me, but the Lord is working with all of us. But guess what? Greater is he that is in me and greater is he that in you than that he is that in the world. In other words, just because we struggle with these things does not mean that God is not on our side trying to make us triumph. His spirit is proof of that. So in the midst of all this, what are three things that we can do actively, really quickly? Three things that we can do. The first thing is to admit our insufficiency and our need for God's spirit. Basically, this is just saying we need grace. We cannot do it by ourselves. You can get the 10 steps. You can get the eight healthy habits. You can get all that kind of stuff. And you will still find that you are insufficient to live completely lowly of heart and meek before people that are talking bad about you or people that are lying about you or people that are manipulating you when even you don't know it, when they don't know. If we don't admit our insufficiency, then we cannot receive the grace of God to do what God has called us to do. So the first thing we have to do is admit our insufficiency. Second thing, and it's tied to the first, we have to be absolutely willing and open for God's leading. And this can be, this can be a point of humili humiliation in and of itself because sometimes God might say, you know that person that you have beef with that you, know, you haven't had you know, words with for two years? I want you to get with them and I want you to forgive them. Or this person that used you terribly and is talking bad about it, I want you to go and I want you to be the reconciling factor. 
Now, if you are not willing to admit your insufficiency and say, God, I need you, then you will not be open and willing to some of the things that God might have to send you so that you can test that humility, so you can test that meekness. Because if left to our own devices, we will kind of self-sort and we'll be like, oh, God, we love you, we praise you, and we'll keep ourselves away from places that demand us to be humble and meek. And this leads to the third thing, actually. Along with admitting our insufficiency, as long, along with being absolutely willing, we have to be willing to place ourselves in situations where humility and gentleness are needed. We've got to move away from the self-selection. We have to say, Lord, where do you want me to go? Because, you know, sometimes everybody wants to do this big thing for God, and God says, apologize to your wife. Why don't you go serve your sister for a change? You know that time that she called you and hung up on you, maybe you need to pray for her and say that's okay. Or maybe it's even a situation where you would never see yourself, and it's a ministry you would never see yourself working, but in order to put yourself in a situation of humility and gentleness and listening to the Holy Spirit lead you, you go and do that thing. Now you are much more open to be the hands and feet of Jesus where they are needed because you're meek and because you're humble. This message, I believe, is a conviction message for all of us, not because God wants to judge us, because he has judged us with his, he's judged us with his grace. He has proclaimed that he loves us. But in that love, he wants us to grow to be like him. He wants, us, he wants us to be like him. He wants us to truly make the edifice that is the church. But the only way that we can do that is to be like our rabbi and our teacher Christ. If we don't do that, then regardless of the good things that we do for the world, regardless of the, all the policing of the world that we do, it doesn't matter. Just like nothing matters without love. We have to be meek. And we have to have the humility of spirit that Jesus had by the power of the spirit. Let's raise and stand for a second. Um, I have this scripture and um, I've been kind of reading it in meditation, and we have some homework assignments for you out in the hub, so make sure to pick those up too, and I think that'll help with this um, message. But I've been reading this scripture every day, and it's really been helping me. Um, Paul is addressing this to a church, and so I just figure I'm just taking this for me as he was speaking it to them, and I feel like as, as a body, we can take him speaking to us as he was speaking to the church of Philippi. Let's close our eyes. I want to really... Just meditate on these words. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any at all, if you have any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, if you, if you feel any of those things from Christ, from the way that he loves you, from the way that he saved you, from the way he brought you out, if you have any tenderness, any compassion, then make my joy, this is Paul, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, absolutely nothing. Rather, in all humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality of God, with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't use the fact that he was God to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, yes, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This scripture is telling the truth. If we believe that we have any love from Christ, if we feel any of those things, let us press on and be like-minded. Let us have one mind, the mind of Christ. And just like he didn't feel the need to equate himself with God, he put himself lowly, we can do the same thing. If we don't lay the bricks of being meek and being humble of spirit, we are not building the kingdom in its true fullness. But if we get low, if we get real low, and we let God live his life through us, then Christ can shine with the light that can save this world. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this word. Father, I thank you for just showing all of us how we can grow towards being more like you, to being more like you called it, like you told us to take your yoke upon us and to learn from you. And that's what we're trying to do right now, Jesus. So by your spirit, I pray that you would give us these opportunities, give us opportunities that we need to stretch ourselves in and show us areas that we need to scale back. Maybe we're doing too much and we need to scale back just so we can check our motivations. Whatever you need to do in us, Lord, we pray that you would work those things out and that we would truly, in your grace and by your unconditional love for us, change ourselves and in so doing, change this world by being Christ ones. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, Thank you very much. We're going to have the prayer people up here that's going to have prayer for anybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Praise be to God. Praise be to God.